Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast, episode number 110. I am Steven and with me as always is Brandon. We're in the Windy City. We're still doing it over Zoom, but I'm hoping over the course of the next few weeks, we will start to transition this podcast to an in-person show again. We just got to make sure that the studio setup is complete. And that's the one thing this weekend that I have not worked on at all that I totally said that I would. So I hate to disappoint the people here, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to get on it this week. It's going to be happening and I'm excited about it. And Brandon released a video here today. There's big things coming on the horizon. So uh, without further ado, um, the today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, a few topics that people wrote in as well as we'll be doing our world famous Spotify segment and then whatever what <laughs> whatever else pops into our mind we will also be talking about here today Brandon what's on your mind well we were talking before the episode started about uh, what I mean I guess I'll bring it back to something that you mentioned I did post a video today um, normally this wouldn't be a momentous thing whatsoever, but if you follow me at all, you know that I haven't posted a video in over a month. Uh, Steven knows that, uh, there's been some things just internally I've been dealing with and, uh, it's, it's been, uh, kind of paralyzing for me, but, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you just, uh, you put one foot in front of the other and you get going and I feel good that like there was almost a, uh, an endorphin rush. Uh, of sorts when I when I saw that video was uploaded and ready to go it was like all right I got this monkey off my back now and uh, I've got a couple other covers that are locked and loaded ready to go so it feels really good Um, but I do want to say one thing we were talking about I want to get your thoughts because I don't know how much you have to deal with it I I, I know that we've talked about this concept or this uh, this struggle as a YouTuber in the past because you've wanted to use my songs before and we've said, can you just straight up do it? Um, the copyright laws now, I, I think it's, uh, you know, when we talk about how uh, the world keeps changing and evolving, uh, part of me is like these copyright laws are like out of hand with with how uh, rigid they, they get with things, specifically in music. I, I did a live stream yesterday while I was trying to... Um, figure out what songwriter to songwriter to do next and i had music in the background uh now obviously this is copywritten music um but uh you know fair use clauses uh i i I don't some some part of me feels like they're they're not even paid attention to or whatever because i was utilizing this time to listen to music not just for the sake of listening to music but i was specifically doing it for uh, the purpose of uh, song analysis and, and content creation. Um, and, uh, you know, I, not that I'm an expert on fair use or anything, but it's just uh, my video, I even privated it afterwards and I still got a copyright claim. And I'm just like, geez, this is ridiculous. So what, what are your overall thoughts on this? Do you, do you know, do you have, have you thought of any resolutions for this? Has this even been on your mind as a YouTuber? What, what do you think? I've definitely thought about it before and I think it's tough because this the entire music industry looked radically different in the 90s than it did in the 2000s and it continues to to change over time in terms of how technology pretty much what happened was when the internet became a thing it took 
the the power of music away. Well, not the power of music. The power of the music industry away because it became this like uncontrollable thing. Like when songs got on the internet, these record labels couldn't just like stop them from falling into the people's hands without having to pay for them. So I think that music record labels are like extra protective now because they just they can see that they're kind of dying off a little bit. Like they need to become increasingly innovative to stay relevant, and they need to make sure that they're still getting their their fair share of the business and YouTube is just like such a huge platform that it can't it can't like it doesn't have like a foolproof method to prevent incorrect copyright strikes and stuff like that like I don't know how they can't just sit there and monitor the billion plus videos on YouTube and try to figure out who is and who's not so they build these these uh some sort of robot I guess AI to, to determine if there's music in the song that's copyrighted. So there's going to be user or there's going to be heirs in them doing this and we see this happen from time to time. I don't know that I, I don't know what the correct solution to this is, but I, I I do feel like in some of these situations it's just extremely frustrating because I have gotten pretty lucky for copyright strikes for the most part, but I have every time I vlog I get nervous if I'm inside of any place. Because if I'm inside someplace, there's a good chance there's going to be music in the background that's being played on the radio. And if that happens, then there's always the chance that the system might pick it up and it gives me that a copyright strike. I, to this day, I think I've had, I know, I can think of at least one vlog video I did where I got the, I got the strike. Uh, it was the one where I was dancing on my birthday to just like random songs. And I, I knew that one was probably going to get the strike because I didn't really try to prevent it, but I just wanted to see would it actually give me the strike when I didn't I didn't add the music, I just played it really loud in the background. And yes, it 100%. It caught that. And I don't know I don't know a better way of of for them to do this, but I do think that they need to revisit this again and just figure out like is it that big of a deal to just have someone's song in the background as long as they can give that artist credit in one way or another. I feel like it's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I mean, what, what I will say is a lot of the people I watch don't don't give credit to the music that they're using. So I I, I do see a, a flaw in that as well. Um, but it, I've 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 paid I've monitored a little bit some of the frustration with YouTube and and how they enforce the copyright stuff. Like I saw one person said. I had a, a seven-second clip of a song in my, like, 18-minute video, and the entire video was demonetized, or it was, like, the all the monetization went to that record label for that seven-second clip. And uh, I just, it's it almost feels like an abuse of power. But to take a step back, I don't, actually don't think that you misspoke, because... First, you said that you think the pow- music has lost the power, and then you change it to music industry. I would also music. I would also say that music has been devalued quite a bit because as soon as things like Napster and stuff came out, where people had the ability to to own these songs free of charge, it was like, why the hell would I pay for music? And the the innovation to to handle that was now okay. Well. If you don't want to specifically pay for these songs, I guess pay for a service like Spotify where you get access to literally every song <laughs> ever and uh, 
you don't have to pay for these individual ones. You can pretty much own them, but not not technically. Um, so I think that music is one of the most devalued art forms out there, um, and that's come with the changing of time. Uh, but then I also think this the, the copyright issue doesn't just um, impact people that use music. I actually, I don't know if you remember, I, I posted a video when I was living in Rochester uh, discussing why psychology was a science. And mm-hmm. in that video, I used a clip uh, of the, um, I believe it was the Stanley Milgram experiment, uh, the one that tested authority where the guy in the, in the lab coat was telling him to shock the person on the other side of the door. They, I got a copyright claim on that for using that clip and I disputed it. Um, just some random person. It was a user copyright claim. And I was just, and I disputed, I said, this is for educational purposes. It is valid under fair use. And I actually won the dispute, but I, I think this brings up the point, like, like you said, this is difficult because YouTube is such a, just a massive platform. How are they able to monitor everything? And uh, a lot of times the problem is people that can spend their time on this will take advantage of these smaller channels who might not have the resources or wherewithal to to bring it to litigation or whatever and so they just take the copyright strike or they just take the video down whatever they have to do and it's uh it it is a time where it's like this is becoming such a huge industry i mean you have people who literally pursue the career of youtuber now like you have kids growing up saying i want to be a youtuber this is a this is a real thing and so I, I think it, it should be a priority uh, within our legal system to re-examine. Um, and I, I'm speaking very ignorantly. I don't know if that's already happening. I'm, I'm sure it is. But uh, just the, the state of things uh, as they seem now, based on a lot of the news that I pay attention to with YouTube and, and uh, prominent YouTubers, um, even some lower-level YouTubers that that get impacted by this, it, it seems a little outrageous. And uh, I, I think a big frustration with YouTube in general is it doesn't seem like, uh, it seems like they're following the same path a lot of these platforms take, and that's going away from uh, unique individual content creators and, and uh, trying to suit their platform uh, more specifically for things like sponsorships or corporate um, advertisements and, and obviously that's good for business but I think a lot of people who you know were the OGs of YouTube look at this and be like damn this has really gotten away from us I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I've been thinking a lot lately about how that's one of my big concerns moving forward is YouTube definitely it started off as like the, the unique value of the platform was you could just see everyday people's lives and it was kind of cool just to see a random other person maybe on the other side of the world talk about anything because oftentimes you just never might interact from with somebody who was from the other side of the world because maybe you just never got out of your hometown like who knows and it was cool to see people become creative on this platform but as time has moved on Yes, there are really big YouTubers. There are the Logan Pauls and the David Dobricks of the world who are massively successful on the platform. But what you're starting to see more and more of, which is one of my concerns, is companies and 
people who are already uh, in the public sphere are becoming very, very aware of the value of YouTube. I don't know how it's taken this long. I expected this to happen, like, at least five-plus years ago, where more people like a Will Smith would decide to make a YouTube channel. And you're starting to see them make TikToks and stuff like that because the, the next big wave here is, and it's already happened, but your personal brand, it matters so much nowadays because everybody has a Facebook. Everybody has a LinkedIn. But whoa, 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 if whoa. you... I don't have a Facebook. Okay. Most people. <laughs> Got most, him. Well, maybe I'm using Facebook in the broad sense of just like everybody has, for the most part, some form of social media. So they have like a very basic voice in society where they can put their, their political opinions or whatever they want to put on there. But your, your personal brand itself, it's becoming increasingly obvious how big it is. And I, I do think that my the thing that scares me is that now that there's all this awareness, you're starting to f- see this shift a little bit where, where these companies are going to become more aware and they're going to start producing more and more content. And then what's going to happen, eventually they're going to be the ones who are taking all the ad revenue. And then YouTube is going to realize if they really want to make more money on the platform, they can strike partnerships with really big companies. Because sure, Logan Paul might have, I don't know, a net worth of 10 or 20 million. I don't really know what his net worth is. But imagine working with a company like Coca-Cola, who has like billions of dollars. That is way more valuable to them than working with a small creator. Now, obviously, they don't want to get away from the core part of the platform, which is the individual creators. But it's a really scary thing to think about how this huge monster in the future could ironically just turn into what replaces TV. Like in the future... YouTube might just be what we've bitched about for years when it comes to the TV networks where they have all this power and they decide what gets shown. I mean, we're, we're seeing it happen a little bit right now. Like, when you subscribe to a YouTube channel that you want to watch their videos, you don't even get shown those videos. You more often get shown huge content creators' videos over the ones you actually subscribe to. You have to, like, hit the notification bell. They, like, put all of these barriers in. And if you think about it, why are they doing that unless they're, they have some sort of plan to boost the, the top channels? So I, I'm, this has been something I, I've started to become increasingly more concerned about. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately about, you know, we talk about consistency and posting in quantity. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm starting to realize how important that w- that is for a platform like YouTube because uh, there's so recently I um, there there was there's this couple stream there, uh, it's NMP uh, lol and uh, his girlfriend Melina uh, they live together and they stream I've, I've seen clips of them surface on different things in the past and I've always thought they were hilarious or I just really liked their dynamic um, but I never really paid attention to them that much but for whatever reason this past week YouTube recommended a video of theirs to me I'm like oh that's that couple and then as it was this is like the sixth time that I've seen something of them but for whatever reason this sixth time I was motivated to be like I'm going to spend time watching their content I subscribed to them I went into that and, and so um, it takes, this is one of the things is like, as an individual 
uh, content creator, it's much more of a challenge because if you're like a corporation or something that has all these resources to funnel into this, the the, the quantity and quantity in which you can put out content is uh, much more easily accessible. And so, you know, funneling it into these platforms and having people uh, consume that is just like an everyday thing. But for these individual content creators, you got to hustle, man. You got to be posting stuff a lot. Um, and it might take the sixth or seventh time someone sees something of you to be like, you know what? I actually am going to give this person a shot. So it's uh, it, it was just an interesting little um, like light bulb that went off in my head that this, you know what? I've seen them before and I've liked them before, but for whatever reason, it's taking me till now to click on them. I also want to, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, so did, you heard about Mixer, right? Did we talk about that? Mm-hmm. Mixer shutdown. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Ninja and Shroud had exclusive contracts with Mixer to stream on that platform only. But now that they're shutting down, um, the contracts are basically void. And so Ninja streamed on YouTube and he had over a hundred K people watching at one time. That's insane because I've seen PewDiePie. I don't even know. I don't think PewDiePie I've ever seen get up to even 100k. I, I don't. I, I've seen like 70, 80, and stuff. Right, but I mean, like, think about this though: is that like PewDiePie does do streams, but that's not like exclusively what he does. So mm-hmm. I, I've been thinking about this because we we've kind of gone back. Well, we used to stream this on Twitch, and now we stream it on YouTube. You do individual YouTube live streams. I I did one yesterday, um, but. If, if those numbers are any indication of what possibly could come out of a platform like YouTube, YouTube might be the place to start streaming at, man. It might, uh, I mean, Twitch is, you know, I was thinking about the, the benefits of, of streaming on Twitch. I, I think there is a different audience a lot of times that um, likes to sit on Twitch than sits on YouTube. I, I'm sure you obviously do have some crossover, but um, Twitch is like a, a very... Uh, unique community um, so you get you can get up in the 40 50k but YouTube is just massive and uh, I wonder if if the move is really to navigate over to YouTube and and uh, make this your your home field turf yeah I I actually it's weird where you were mentioning this because yesterday I was actually reading about I've been very interested just in twitch in general lately just to see like Am I missing something here? Because I, I'm a firm believer in live streams, obviously. Anyone who's who knows me knows how many live streams I've done on Instagram and, and YouTube primarily. Uh, I was just just trying to figure out, like, what do people overall think is the... Like, what's the consensus on the future of live streaming? And there was a lot of people who said, as much as Twitch has a head start, YouTube's platform is just so incredibly enormous. It's like, how can they not be successful becoming a big hub for live streaming, whether it be for gaming or anything else. And I, I agree. It just has such a... YouTube is such a good platform where if you have built yourself up at all, it's like the best platform. If, if people know who you are, it's the best platform to make content on because you can do whatever you want. <laughs> like, there's no there's no limitations. There's no, like, minute like TikTok has. There's no audience demographic that tends to be a certain way like youtube is it has every person of every background looking for who knows what so i mean it's a great platform for it so if they can just 
I, I, I see a lot of really good things. And I, I personally enjoy that we do this on here. I think it's always, th this is something about being a content creator in general. And honestly, maybe just uh, about staying innovative in general. Like you have to keep up to date on what's going on because sometimes you can fall behind and you never want to feel too comfortable with what you're doing. And it's something that like for, uh, for me, I think about all the time I really enjoy the content that I make, but I'm never, I'm never content with how it's going. Like, I, I was against doing vlogs, and then I decided people want to see vlogs. So I was like, I should probably try this. People wanted to see more of the city of Chicago, and they didn't want to see me just sit in one spot and talk about something. And at first I was like, ugh, like, why is this such a big deal? I don't even like vlogging. But then I went out and I vlogged, and I realized, you know, I actually really like vlogging. And I've, I've talked to Brandon about this a lot. I'm really excited to really get in deep into doing more vlogs again. Like I just released a My Life in Chicago vlog and I, I really I really enjoy doing this stuff, but it's because you you have to see what people want and you have to just see where the where the attention is. As Gary Vee always talks about, where is the attention? And sometimes the attention will shift from one place to another. Like, I don't know, have you, do, do you know anything about the, TikTok, like banning TikTok or the TikTok shutdown. What's what's the story with this? Uh, I actually deleted TikTok. I don't know if I told you this. No. So there's, um, I, I guess I don't know the specific reasonings for uh, the government banning of TikTok, but I know I've been paying. I don't know if you pay attention to Anonymous at all, but I've, but Anonymous has tweeted out some some stuff about TikTok uh, and how closely related it is to China and data mining and uh -huh. uh, taking your personal information through the usage of the app, um, which, you know, it's, for me, I, I don't just believe the first thing I read, so I didn't, I didn't really make an action after I saw that. But um, then my mom actually sent a group text and uh, told us that uh, somebody pretty, pretty prominent at her work sent out a massive email to the company basically stating, look, I, I typically don't get involved with this stuff unless I think it's important, but, and I don't want to tell you what you can or can't have on your phone, what apps you want to use, but all I have to say is there are some things that are coming out about TikTok and... If I were you, I would not want to have it on my phone or my kid's phone. And uh, to me, I was just like, well, I, you know, I don't know how, I don't like to get all conspiracy theory on anything, but for me, it was like, is TikTok really worth it for me to even possibly risk this? And it was just like, no, nah, I'll just delete it. Um, so, and then I also read something that with this stuff coming out, TikTok, it, uh, is trying really hard to distance themselves from China, but the fact that they would even have to distance themselves from China makes me feel like, uh, what's going on here? So I don't know. I, I haven't done the research to like, uh, um, give a educated opinion on it too much. I just, myself, I just deleted it just to be safe. I, yeah. Cause I mean, what, what information about me can they really get from my TikTok? Like, I just think about what information do I really have on there that's all that valuable? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't want to sound ignorant when it's like I have every bit of information. Maybe I'm just not thinking. Maybe 
they can figure out everything about me. But just it's interesting because off the top of my head, I'm just like, I don't really feel like I put anything that's really that Well, I think in, it's more in, so when you're on the app, uh, it can access parts of your phone and the, the uh, like privacy information that you have on your phone so they can uh, gain access mm-hmm. to things that might lead to um, identity theft. Uh, Anonymous made a specific tweet that um, if you, like, let's say, posted anything that was anti-China or something, they could have access to that. And you show if you go for a vacation or something in China 20 years later, they'll have you flagged and you could get arrested. I, I don't know how serious that is, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just I... I decided not to fuck around with it. Well, I'm I'm pro a ban of uh, of TikTok. It's my least favorite of all of these apps. I cannot stand it. I so badly want to like it, but it's so frustrating how people utilize it. And if if I had to pick one app that got shut down, it would be TikTok, and then Snapchat would be second. That'd be my order in which I would do it. I recently Snapchat is jo- is such a joke too. Yeah, I recently deleted Snapchat, but then re-downloaded it. I, <laughs> you just can't get enough of Snapchat. I don't even use it, but some people snap me, so I was like, oh, fine, I'll just have it on my phone. I barely open it though. It's just like yeah, some people. Brandon just really keeps this ambiguous. Yeah, like I don't know, they're just like some people. They just have to Snapchat. What, me. You want we me to give? Know. Want me to give their we social security know. numbers on here? We all- we all know what Brandon's trying right, to say. All right, Josie Smith in New York City. She snaps me. What the <laughs> fuck do you want from me, dude? We we understand, dude. You're the, you're the ladies' man. We get it. You got a lot. Of, <laughs> you're getting a lot of snaps. Dude, where am I we supposed get to it, get? Dude. Where am I supposed to get some some dick pics at if I can't have a Snapchat? That's all it's I'm saying. Exactly the way that you use it. No, I, I get it, dude. That's what I was saying. Send your dude, nudes. Send your nudes to my Snapchat. B Flip Five. That's my that's my yeah. snap. <laughs> wow and wow, I, I, a, hey, chicks dudes whatever i'll take all the nudes that you got i'm fine with this it. guy doesn't discriminate against anyone or anything no i'm i'm wow. uh all inclusive <laughs> uh do we want to do these uh any of these topics here yeah let's break uh, up the show a little bit yeah so we we got a, we actually got some audience prompts this time around which i uh always happy when you guys uh contribute so um our first one uh, I, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to this. Um, did, what were you just looking at? Is there a butterfly in your room or something? Oh. <laughs> Could you tell I was looking at something? Yeah. Okay, so I, <laughs> I've i had a bit of like a bug and spider issue, but I got my apartment sprayed. So I've seen like a couple since then, but it hasn't been so bad. But I just looked out my window and there was like this huge thing that looked like it was like on a web. So... I don't know what that was. I'm hoping it wasn't a big, huge spider or what, or some sort of insect. Well, it sounds but like I if it's a, a little... we- if it's on a web, that sounds like a spider thing to do. I don't know. Well, but it might have been a bug who got caught in the web, and then there's just an even bigger spider. It's about to eat it. Oh no, dude! Yeah, so I I didn't like how that looked for a second. But well, at yeah. least in that case, that spider literally does slay because it. Yeah, that's the bug. a that's a literal <laughs> slaying spider. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, you're right, dude. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Kanye running for president? I mean, as much as I want to say this is a complete joke, I thought the same thing about Trump, and I think that that joke has been made a bunch of times. I really didn't think it was genuinely possible for Trump to win the presidency. 
I genuinely don't think it's possible that Kanye will. And I think this time it's even more like unlikely because of how late in the game he just decides, like, you know what, I'm running for president. Like, a few months before this is really uh, a thing, I, it seems a bit a bit odd to me. But overall, I've I've been open about the fact that I think Kanye is good at a lot of things. Becoming president or being president is not one of those things I imagine he'd have a lot of success in. Do you, could you see any positives out of him become, getting elected as president? Um, any positives? Yeah, I can think of a few positives. One, it would pave the way for literally anybody to be president. If Kanye West could be president, I literally believe anyone could be president because he has zero political background. He's from the music industry. Like, there's really nothing about him that, that screams politics. But if he was able to become president that would pave the way for maybe other people to be like taking it more serious. And I think because Kanye is perceived as genuinely being a really cool person, like he's actually, when people think of who's a cool guy, oh, Kanye, he's a cool guy. I think that that would be great for politics because as I've said, unfortunately, being cool is never, it doesn't seem like it's ever for anything that I actually find to be valuable for society. It's always who can roll the best blunt or who can who wears like the coolest shoes or something. So I think that that would be kind of uh, refreshing for Kanye as president. Um, Wait, so you don't think that Trump set that precedent that anybody can be president? I think he did a little bit. I, I mean, I've said that before that as much as I have not enjoyed Trump and never liked him as, as a person, I, the one thing about his presidency that was good was he didn't have that political background. I don't know. Trump, at least, in my eyes, he fit, like, the stereotype of an old white guy. <laughs> so, like, I've seen a lot of old white guys become president hmm. in, in my life, and I've learned about them in the textbooks. But that's, uh, that's about it. He, Trump did a good job at, at setting the precedent. But I also don't think that anyone really thought that Trump was cool in the same way they thought Kanye was cool. I, I guess my one positive would be that uh, it might set a precedent for voting outside of the two major political parties. If we can, yeah, because I think he run as an independent. Is that what he said? Well, I mean, he has to because Republican and Democrat they choose their their like candidate. So it's not like he well, can yeah. straight point. up be <laughs> a, the the Republican Party candidate. Trump is so. You know, maybe he aligns more with. I, I guess I don't know what political platform he stands on but uh he likes trump i guess so maybe he's republican i don't know yeah i, I, I really don't know it, the 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 i i guess i would be <laughs> i think you're you're somewhat right with like the the you know the popular people now having the chance but i also feel like that's part of what's wrong is like these these people that are perceived as cool or popular have the power and a lot of them aren't uh aren't good role models or good uh uh like leaders in the way that we might need for um country change i it's really tough for me to even have an opinion on this because i really don't know what kanye stands for um I've heard him talk on, on some uh, radio shows, and I've liked some of his opinions. Um, some of them I've also just been like, dude, this guy is out of his mind. Sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Walt Disney and Steve Jobs. 
He also talks like Tim, I guess. You don't got the answers, <laughs> Sway. You don't got the answers. <laughs> so I, yeah, he's crazy. I don't know. I do. I think that he'll win. Man, I don't even know anymore. I don't even want to give an opinion because I did not think Trump was going to win. But That's I guess I'm looking back with. on it, I just understanding Dave Chappelle when he was on SNL, him and Chris Rock did a sketch where they were like at a um, an election party with a bunch of white people, a bunch of the white cast members, and everyone was like so shocked that Trump got elected. And Chappelle and Chris Rock were like, "Really." We saw this coming. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just knowing the history of the country and stuff. So, I don't know, man. I guess uh, I need to do more research. I'll just say I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So this next one, this is a little more uh, broad of a topic, um, but uh, I, I posted a specific question bubble or whatever on my Instagram story asking people what's on their mind and we specifically got a comment that said mortality so I want to phrase this in a couple ways because I I don't know that we've talked about uh, this concept uh, too specifically Uh, so when it comes to to mortality I I guess I'll just ask you is your own mortality or, or death something that you think about a lot for yourself or for your family friends is it something that you fear? What goes through your mind when you think about this stuff? So, I I mean, I definitely think, I, I would say I do fear death. I know a lot of people say, like, I, you know, I don't, I don't fear death. I think everybody fears death. I don't know how somebody doesn't have that thought cross their mind at some point that it would be scary to not be here anymore. That said, I think the way that I've always processed this is living every day to I, I just want to feel like since since technically any day we could go in this world I try to look at it as if I left that day did I do everything that I could in my power up to that exact moment in time that I wanted to do like was I living up to that moment as a person I wanted to be and that's kind of how I've that's kind of how I've just been trying to process this whole thing. It crosses my mind pretty regularly, especially as someone who wants to leave a legacy after I'm gone. I think a big moment for me was when I was 18, 19, 18 or 19. I, I really got into this really scary space in my head where I started thinking about, you know, if I died like right now, what would I really be known for? And that, that thought was scary to me because obviously I would be remembered by my friends and family, maybe some teachers. Like, there's some people I would, that would remember me, but there wasn't really anything I was leaving behind. Like, there was like a few, a few photos I was in and things like that, but I really hated that feeling because I liked the idea that in the future my great-great-grandkids or something could see something that I had done like a tangible thing that I had physically left behind for the world and that's when I started writing poetry because I wanted something tangible that would live on beyond me and that's when I also started wanting to do like acting and being in videos and stuff like that so that's how I've made 
uh, a value in my life that will go on past my death and just up into the moment that I go, feel like I've done everything that I can and wanted to do up to that moment. Well, this this part, uh, I, I want to pry a little more because just knowing how your brain works from us, you know, being friends and stuff, it, it, one of the things I think you've talked to me a lot about is this constant feeling like you could or should be doing more that you, you just need to keep pushing yourself and going. And I guess I don't know that I see that mindset being something that ever changes about you. So how do you come to grips with the fact that you need to feel like you did everything that you could by the time that you die, if you are always feeling like you could be doing more? It's extremely, an extremely tough battle for myself in general and it's something that does sort of bother me on the day to day because I'll never be it's a, it's both a blessing and a curse that I'm never satisfied with things and I think that I counteract that by being sort of this goofy and just like kind of this goofy person who just has a lot of things in life that do generally excite me so I don't know. I don't have like a gr- a great answer on how I make myself feel better about it, but I just are you I just af- trust. Are you afraid that you'll die unhappy because of that mindset? Mm, not necessarily. I think that I face the fact that part of this isn't just how I feel. Like I I, m- I might feel a certain way, but feelings are only so- a part of the of the whole like, overall thing. Like I bet the vast majority of people in this world on their deathbed feel some sort of feeling of, I wish I would have done more in life because there's just so much that you can do in life. And I don't think that that in itself is just a depressing fact. I think that that's sort of a, a beautiful thing about life is that we aren't just, there isn't, there's just, there's so much that you can do. There's so much to see. I, I think everyone to a certain extent should feel like, they wish that they did more in their lives. But I don't think that that fact in itself is depressing. I think that that's just a part of the beauty of having a life in general and why it should be cherished while you're able to have it. So though I'll always feel like I'm battling if I did enough, I still feel like that's just my personal feeling on it. But I think that that's something that it matters. Like clearly it does matter, but I also recognize that I can't, like, I can't control it. Like, that's just how I am. Like, I'm, I'm always going to feel that way, and that will motivate me along the way. And I don't think that I'm just this unhappy person all the time. So I think I just kind of just deal with it. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I think uh, when you're younger, I, I think in a lot of ways um, – death seems like such a far out thing that uh, sometimes your matter of urgency is oh well I've got plenty of time you know but I think uh, I think that's one of the beautiful things about life is um, defining your purpose within yourself and you know, I know you made the comment that you don't understand how people don't fear death. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't consider myself fearing death. Um, 
partially because it's just uh, to me I, I guess there are certain contexts in which um, I would not want to die like let's say like my family was tied up in front of me and I was helpless to doing something like something like that I, I would uh, I would not want to be in the situation of um, but just in general uh, you know my thought process on what death would be like it, it just you go it goes to black so uh, what am I <laughs> gonna have to worry about anymore you know you finally are at rest um, so I think that there's a serenity in death to a certain extent where life can be uh, difficult there are so many variables and, and uh, aspects that are um, constantly weighing on us uh, things that we want to strive for that we want to, to reach and um, sometimes you can fight your entire life as hard as you possibly can at something and it still doesn't work out um, and that's that's complicated I, I think that's beautiful as well because just like there is that chance there's also things that can stumble upon you in life that you didn't expect and they lead to uh, a, a change or a um, a beautiful thing in your life that might uh, um that might uh, play a role in your happiness, but uh, death to me seems a lot more simple. Um, once it happens, it's it's done, and uh, and so it's um, at least. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm looking at it from a uh, an egocentric point of view, looking at it from my 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 side of things. I, I talked to somebody about funerals recently and and uh how i i would really want my funeral to be a celebration of life rather than a uh i guess traditional mourning of death um, and i i obviously with grief comes that sadness that this person is no longer here but i think part of grief is also the memories like understanding that part of the reason you're sad is because this person made you happy that they 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 did uh, have a legacy to lead, to leave behind, uh, specifically in your life, and so I would hope that I am able to leave behind a legacy such as that, to where uh, the people that would show up at my funeral um, can talk about times that we had together, about times I made them laugh, or things that I did that they found beautiful. Um, but uh, but yeah, I guess just in general, when I when I think about it, uh, phil- existentially speaking, death seems a lot more simple than than life does. So that's true, and I, I think I agree. I, I like the idea of the celebration of life, just in general. I think it's it always gets looked at as, and, and it it should be a tough time whenever anyone passes. Sure. It's never an easy thing, but I do like the idea of just uh, the general celebration because. You know, it, that person has had impact, and it's it's great to to celebrate what they did in your life instead of only looking at all the hard parts about it. So I yeah. kind of agree. Well, I 
I, I think I've been trying to do this a lot lately with with negative with things that feel like negative associations with my life uh, uh, is is trying to sort of juxtapose those with the fact that part of the reason they feel negative is a lot of times because there used to be something positive there. You know, if you look at my song, All That Being Said, for instance, that song, if you just listen to it on surface level, you're like, man. This is an angry song. There's a lot of like bitterness here. There's a lot of uh, possibly even hatred uh, towards the subject of the song. But um, uh, the more in-depth understanding of that song is that it comes from a place of love. Uh, you, you feel that way because you love somebody so deeply that um, <clears throat> it almost hurts to be mad at them. It hurts to feel negative. Uh, I think about that when I look at back at some of my um, more intimate relationships with people and uh, sometimes it's really hard to think like how the hell could it get to the point where it is now um, after all the good stuff that happened but that's the thing is like I also appreciate all that good stuff that happened to a certain extent um, I, I'm sure I, I, I try not to invalidate feelings by saying well somebody else out there has it worse type thing but uh I'm appreciative that I, I feel like I've felt love before. I, like I, I've had moments where I thought that I found the one and felt that, that purity in that. Because um, I think a lot of times people will spend their entire life hoping for that and never finding it. Um, so the fact that I even had a glimpse of, of what that could look like, I appreciate. And I appreciate that those people gave that to me regardless of, of the outcome. Uh, you know, and I think that 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 framework around that has allowed me to um, let go of some of that pain and 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 feel a little more at peace um, with the fact that as hard as some of this stuff can be, um, I can still find uh, some bliss within it, uh, and I know I'm probably diving into this a little deeper than I even intended but uh but yeah I just some of the thoughts that I've been having lately and and I think they kind of run parallel to the idea of our mortality if that makes sense um this last one is a lot more simple of a question uh what's your favorite beverage <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, it's actually it's really funny to look at all these these prompts and just think about how they do not flow well at all just absolutely horrible so choppy like it would take a real wizard to find a way to segue these and not sound weird but we're doing our best here. we're doing our best yeah all right so what is it what is your favorite beverage dude that's uh that's that's a tough okay i really really like whiskey i like uh i don't necessarily have a favorite whiskey gentleman jack is one i i like a lot if we do non-alcoholic i'm i'm a big water guy that's why you always see me drink the water jug but because water is such a cop out i like um when i was a kid root beer was my favorite yeah nice I would say, you? yeah, I would say um, out of carbonated drinks, uh, root beer is my favorite. I, I don't drink alcohol. I don't know if everybody knew that, but so I, I, I can't give an alcoholic beverage. But I would say out of uh, carbonated drinks, root beer is my favorite. 
and out of non-carbonated, I love, love, love strawberry lemonade. I think it's so freaking Ooh, good. That's a good one. I, I also really like those uh, jaritos. They're like these, it's like this, uh, I, I always get one up with Mexican food. I don't even, I'm assuming it's actually a Mexican drink. I don't even actually know the answer to that. I like the, the mandarin flavor is my favorite in particular. Yeah. If you never had it before, they're great. It's like this. It's like an orange soda. I think see. it's yeah. It is. It's Mexican. I think it's also technically better for you than reg than like Coke or Pepsi because I don't think they use high fructose corn syrup. I think they use more natural sugar. I I could yeah, be wrong. Na- on naturally that. flavored. Oh, okay. There you yeah. Go. Pretty good. I'm a fan. But that that actually remember our Lacroix conversation. We're like, what the hell is natural? Because even corn syrup. Doesn't it come from corn? So it's like, what, what, how, where are we taking this natural versus unnatural concept from? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Good question. I'm trying. Everything to- is technically natural if you think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's created, it's like, well, we naturally created it, <laughs> dude. Robots. If I fuck a robot, that's natural. So people should be accepting of it. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You could tell that Steven was just texting because he has no idea what I just said. <laughs> Dude, I just do it for the sake of comedy. I just play up them not paying attention for the sake of comedy. What did I say? You're talking about robots? What what specifically about robots? Robots? <laughs> I fucking love this. <laughs> we caught him, guys. We fucking caught him. <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude! I was, dude, I was, I was in it so deep that I just, I couldn't even remember. It was like you were so immersed in the story that you couldn't even hear the story itself. Because <laughs> I, because I, I, I was physically there, I couldn't hear anything because I was in the story. Well, that's interesting because I was talking about fucking robots, so you just got to see me fuck a robot. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and see, it scarred me, which is why I forgot about it. Let's okay. Let's let's do a poll here. Would you, if given the opportunity, watch me fuck a robot? What do you think? Uh, well, so for the sake of curiosity, it definitely uh, it's definitely an interesting thought. And is that curiosity no, come from? No, you know, I don't think. Hold I on, want hold to, on, hold on, hold on. Does that curiosity come from wanting to watch a robot get fucked, or wanting to watch me specifically fuck something? I mean, just the idea of a human with a robot is it's an it's an interesting thing. I've never I feel like never you're trying to depersonalize that. this. How much of this has to do with the fact that you want to see me fuck something? That's what I'm trying to get to the bottom. Uh, see, that's actually the reason why. The more I think about it, it's a hard no. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to see you in any way do that, <laughs> anything to do with that. I don't even want to see you shirtless, let alone all the rest of this stuff. If if by any chance we got big and I made a sex tape with somebody. And it was like this this big thing. It got released. Some it got leaked somehow. And uh, what would you would you watch that sex tape? Ooh. Uh. No, I don't think I would. I, w- I just wouldn't even want to have that thought into my head. I can't say I for sure wouldn't though, because it might be one of those things where it's eventually like, all right, just out of curiosity. But I would do my best to not do that. What if I'm the one who specifically leaked it to you? Oh, great. <laughs> you leaked it to me. So you have my blessing to watch it. 
Mm. I'm not sure that it was your blessing that was stopping me from watching it or wanting to watch. Oh, I thought you were disrespecting me. I don't. No, I'm, I'm not <laughs> respecting you. I just don't want to see it. Pee. <laughs> dude, I, I misread the signs. I apologize. Yeah, dude, you you got to read the signs. That's why you're uh, you keep getting out at the plate here. You're not reading the signs. You forget the <laughs> the third base catch. I, I still remember. This was always the key. And then I think this was steel. <laughs> yeah, you can tell that you uh, never played it in the high levels because signs get way more complicated the higher up you go. <laughs> they can get... Uh, when I watch the major league signs, I'm just like, how, how could anyone decode that? But the Astros found a way to do it. Well, when you, I, I think when you video, you can just sit back and watch the video over and over again. I was like, all right. Well, he's doing this on a. These are his signs on a steal. What do we find that's the same on this steal versus this steal? Oh, there it is. Got the signs. Yeah, that's true. You just watch. Yeah, you're right. It's just like decoding another language, really. Um. Anything else you want to talk about before the Spotify segment? Anything else that really is uh, on your mind? Um. Geez, this episode went fast. Holy crap! I'm like. I know. I'm like, we're already to the Spotify episode? I didn't even realize yeah, we talked that long. We're flying through. Um, no, I don't have anything else. We can go ahead and get into that. I actually, I liked both the songs this week. Um, well, obviously, I'm going to like the song that I give you, but um, I think we, this is, we could trick each other and pick songs we hate. Well, <laughs> I, I think sometimes that we've we've picked some songs that we didn't think the other person was going to particularly That's vibe true. with, but uh, I feel like... Two weeks in a row, you've given me songs that I've uh, I've really enjoyed. So it's a nice little yeah. Change. And this this was a time where I've actually been wanting to add this song for a while, but I didn't. And then I really couldn't think of any other song, so I was like, I guess this is just the time I'm gonna do this one because I can't think of anything else right now. Uh, let's have. Yeah, I was really feeling. Let's have you talk about my song first this week since I, I went first last week. Oh okay. Um. So I did the song Twenty Something by Nightly. Once again, an artist I don't know anything about. I don't know if this is one person. I don't know if this it's a is... Band. I mean, it's a band? Yep. So there we go. I didn't know it was a band. Um, so yeah, no background whatsoever. Never heard Brandon talk about them before either. What stood out to you about the song? Um, it has... I like the vibe a lot of this song. It, it kind of sounds... It's it's a very I would say one of the first things was this is a very Brandon song like this is a kind of song that I very much if I just heard it in an isolated incident I would guess that Brandon would probably like this song because it's got it's very vibey um, it feels deeply personal lyrically just the twenty something it's weird the title of the song sounds like what this song would be like. Like it, it does. It feels like a twenty-something, like a song about a twenty-something-year-old, and the vibe of the song feels that way. And it's got sort of, um, it's got some poppy elements to it, but I wouldn't say it's just like a straight-up pop song. Um, um, what? How does the song make you feel? Uh it's a, definitely another song where I want to sit there and I listened to it a couple times, but I didn't. I didn't sit there with the lyrics like directly just to like follow along to see what it was saying, but it definitely it makes you sit and like take a breath and just sort of vibe with it and it feels kind of so, somewhere in that like 
sad-ish, happy-ish, like in the middle range. I don't know how to describe. I'm I'm usually bad at describing the <laughs> like the exact vibe that I'm feeling, but I think I did a, a good job of at least expressing how I took it in. Uh, would you give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, or somewhere in between? I would put this one somewhere between the the thumbs up and somewhere in between. But if I had to choose between the two of them, I would probably put it somewhere in between. But I can tell if I listen to this song a few more times that I'd probably be able to make like a a more like distinct call on it. I uh, I overall like I enjoyed this song. Yeah, I I would say the the emotion that I feel with this is nostalgic. There's something about this song. Part of the reason why I like very atmospheric songs is it's very easy for me to like transport myself into specific feelings that I had, even if I never heard this song back at a time that it might transport me to. Um, so this like makes me think of a relationship that I had um, in my low to mid twenties, um, and just just kind of this like uh, sort of reckless love that you might have with somebody and. Um, but then having like the maturity to say, Hey, don't worry about it. Slow. Let's slow ourselves down. Something that I didn't have back then, but like listening to this song as like a retrospective is, is kind of like, I kind of wish that I had that. You about to say something? Well, I was going to say the way that you described it is like actually on point when I was trying to, I sort of lost my train of thought when I was thinking like somewhere between happy and sad, like the way that you described it, I, I, this whole time I literally thought about college relationships. That's exactly what I thought of when I heard this song. Just there's something about it. It does feel like nostalgic a little bit, not like deep into my past. It doesn't feel like this is a '90s song or something. It just feels like like an early college song of kind of falling for someone or just sort of that highly emotional time where I hadn't really figured out how to deal with my emotions as well yet. But yeah, I I totally feel that vibe a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and. Uh so yeah, I just uh, I, this wasn't a situation where I like even had any specific expectations for you or had a uh, particular reason why I wanted you to listen to it. It was literally just I even posted the song in my story last night. I I took Coda for a walk and videoed a little bit of our walk in the city and stuff. And I the song has just kind of been on the front of my mind, so I decided to throw it in there. Um, but yeah, I, I like this song a lot. Um, you had me listen to What's Her Name by Green Day. Um, I I vaguely remember this song, American Idiot. Um, that album was uh, one of the um, only Green Day albums I really got into when I was a kid. Um, and I, I, I remember hearing this song in the past, but uh, I, I think even back then my my understanding of my music taste was a lot less uh, in depth. Uh, I was, you know, I was a middle school kid, <laughs> you know, who knew nothing. Um, what stood out to you about the song? Um, I, I guess the thing that stood out to me was it has an element uh, in a lot of music that I really enjoy, and that's um, the sort of uh, more more vulnerable and bare beginning not that it even is entirely bare in the beginning like it still feels like a full song um but you you kind of have this moment halfway to to three-fourths the way through where the song kind of explodes and um if you listen to any of the songs on my passionate mind album you you know that that was a direction that i went with uh in a lot of my songs as well 
Um, and I think the reason for that is I, I like the idea of a journey where there is this kind of build and then a climax or a peak uh, where things go to this next level. Um, and uh, I, I, I really enjoyed that about uh, this song. The, the, the way it makes me feel, uh, I, I don't entirely know how to articulate the feeling. Uh, I guess it would be somewhat nostalgic but I think that's part I, I said to Stephen before we start I asked him if he felt a similar vibe to the song Kids from Yesterday um, with My Chemical Romance and there's something about uh, I mean these songs are very different but there's something about the vibe of these songs almost I don't know if it's like uh, uh, reminiscent of youth um, or um I, I don't even really know how to describe it, but there was just something about the vibe that made me feel that that kind of desire to reach back. And I know that's similar to even my, my point of view on 20-something, but I think 20-something was even more of a directed nostalgia, something a specific memory gave where I feel like this song gave me more of a an era of my life nostalgia vibe. Um, would you give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, or somewhere in between? I would give it a thumbs up. Um, I think I'm going to add this one to my Feeling It playlist as well. So it's two weeks in a row Steven has given me a song I'm adding to my uh, Feeling It playlist, which is basically a list that I listen to most often when I'm wanting to jam out to some tunes. So good work, Steven. Well, what, what were your thoughts you on this? this? Oh, go ahead. Well, I, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll get to that in just one second. I, I, I am wondering... Do either of the last two songs that I've put on the playlist, do either of those surprise you at all? That I like those songs? No. And what's the reason that you're not surprised? Uh, well, I, I think that obviously a, a person on the outside looking in might just be like, oh, Steven just likes metal. But, I mean, you like my music. So I know that there's a side of you that likes music that uh, can have uh, some more introspective tones to it um not that metal can't ever be introspective but there's just something about like slowed down and more bare music that has a uh like you can focus a little more on the lyrical content and and what the song is saying rather than just the intensity of the song so to speak um and i i think i've always known that you had an appreciation for for those songs even with maybe the majority of your musical taste being on the heavier side so i i'm not surprised i mean i guess if you want to talk about the specific context of the spotify segment stuff that we've done i think these two songs have been uh different from anything that you've been uh recommending i listen to but again just knowing you uh to a more uh in-depth sense i am not i'm not surprised that you would like these songs yeah i, I was honestly just just kind of curious what your thoughts would be on that, but yeah. I, I agree. So I guess this is probably a little bit more of a thorough reason that I normally give as to why I'd add a song on here. But so this song is the last song on American Idiot, which is an album I, I like a lot and was obviously really big back when we were in middle school. But I like this song for a few reasons. One, it's really, really stripped down. Like just in general, it's it's a pretty like raw sounding song, and it doesn't. It's not this overly emotional song, which is something I always liked about it too. Because a lot of songs I like are admittedly sort of over the top vocally, or they they're they're just they're trying to capture so much. Yeah. But this song, it's sort of 
it it goes with a completely different approach. It doesn't say that much of anything, but in a way it says so much. And it's not captured through like these super powerful vocals or this super strong, intense instrumentation. It creates this this completely different vibe. And every time I listen to it, it I I always just like sit and think about um, I don't really know what the actual meaning of the song is, but the way I've always interpreted it is it's like, what's her name? I always think about all those people in your life who they play a role and at one moment in time, like they mean a lot to you, but then you sort of like you depart and you go your own ways and you're still going to remember their name. Like I remember the names of all the people that I've dated. Like there's not anyone who I really can't remember their name at all, but you just think about like she went away and then I took a different path. Like I just think about, how you go on these different paths in life and they sort of just become this memory, but you always kind of think, I, I wonder what they're doing now. Like, I, I wonder what these people who played this role in my life, I do wonder what they do from time to time. And I just, I don't know, I just love that. I think it's very poetic and I think it's just a very interesting song that to me captures a very powerful thing in life. And I think it's a great last song on an album that says so much over the course of an album. I really liked and appreciate it at the time where you took the Black Parade album, which had this huge anthemic song at the very end that was really big, and that felt right. But it was weird that Green Day, which also created this huge concept record, had all these huge songs, but they took a completely opposite approach where the last song was sort of this stripped down, almost like the end credits song of the album. And I just thought that that was a really cool way of doing it. So there's just a lot of things that I really enjoy about it. Yeah. Well, I think that speaks to a level of appreciation just for uh, creativity in general. Like you can have uh, albums thematically not necessarily be the same, but just like kind of give off a certain vibe. But then they go in completely different directions at one point in time in the album. And you can still appreciate both of them um, regardless of, of the the path they decided to follow. And I think that's that's why it's cool. Just keep keep creating and keep consuming new stuff and uh yeah i uh i like this song a lot uh anything else you want to talk about before we send them off just be on the lookout for brandon being in some more of my vlogs coming up here and some potential collaborations it's going to be a lot more a lot more activity and just different things going on and i think both of our youtube channels and finally get to just more enjoy the summer and i I, i've really enjoyed just being outside this summer and being at the lakefront and all that kind of stuff so that's all i got be on the lookout for my robot sex tape i don't know when it's releasing but just keep your eye out for it uh that's that's about it thank you guys so much for listening to this episode Uh, If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, feel free to email us, emgpod at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 513-427-EMG5. Or you can hit us up on social media. Uh, The podcast handle is at emgpod on Twitter and Instagram. Steven is at Steven Russell B. I am at Brandon J. Flippin. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Take it easy.